Hey, this is Nick here. I wanted to send a quick message to the founders out there. If you're raising your first round of capital and you're not located in the Bay Area, New York City, or Boston, we'd love to connect with you. Newstack leads deals for founders that don't fit the standard Silicon Valley profile and are located in undercapitalized areas. If that describes you, or if you know a startup that fits that description, please send us an email. It's team at newstack.vc. Now here's a word from our partners. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Welcome back to TFR for a special installment of Investor Stories. In this segment, the investors tell a story about some of the most odd and unusual situations they've ever encountered as investors. This is the segment called The Strange and Unusual. On today's special segment, we have David Verrill of the Hub Angels Investment Group. David, can you tell us a story about one of the strangest or most unusual things that you've encountered as a startup investor? Well, unfortunately, I've got more than one. Um, (laughs) I think we all do. Let's see which one will get me least in trouble. Um, (laughs) We invested in a, a company that had a very interesting technology that would allow small printers to compete with their larger competitors. It was basically retrofitting uh, inkjet printers with a a very interesting uh, solution so that uh, smaller printers could do multicolored printing and and things of that nature. And, you know, we, we, we like the company. We invested in it. They had an existing product that worked, and, and they were developing uh, Gen 2. So um, the money that we were putting into the company, along with others, was was going to towards Gen, Gen 2. <clears throat> and they just really couldn't get the technology to work. They needed to put in a lot more money. And we went, you know, we, we talked with the CEO about raising more capital. And through an odd set of circumstances, we found out that um, uh, the CEO had been hiring people largely based upon his and their religious beliefs, and worse, that uh, their distribution channel was really more of a recruitment to uh, to their their beliefs in in their religion. And uh, you know, I'm a religious person. I, I I begrudge nobody for you know for for their faith. But when they mix their faith with how they run their company, who they hire, and things of that nature. It's, it's a real red flag. And ultimately, um, we weren't able to raise money for the company because the, the CEO felt that um, uh, there was a higher power that would lead uh, him and, and his group to success. And he lost the company and I'm pretty sure lost uh, his, his home and a few other things. And, you know, it was really a sad story. But I have to tell you, when we're in due diligence on a company, we're not hiring hiring them for a job, so we can ask them anything. You know, how is your marriage going? Do you uh, how much alcohol do you consume? Anything we can ask them, literally anything uh, in due diligence. And uh, 
if there's any sniff that, that somebody is a zealot in one way or another, we really focus in on asking them questions that would otherwise be embarrassing. And um, I've asked more than one startup company what, what their religious beliefs are and, and uh, uh, how actively they pursue that, their, their faith uh, just to try to understand that they've got a, a means of separating church and state, as it were. <laughs> On today's special segment, we have Galen Mason of Service Provider Capital. Galen, can you tell us a story about one of the strangest or most unusual things you've encountered as a startup investor? One of the things I see a lot here in the Midwest is, and it's a little unfortunate, um, but I've always felt it was sort of the peak of strange, which is this idea that here we are building this ecosystem and we need every, you know, all hands on deck. We need smart folks, interested folks. and you get real excited to see, you know, some angel investor term sheets or discussions with some companies that you were working with that had a really interesting idea, just great people. And it turns out that some of the investment terms are just awful, right? And I would see a lot of people um, poo-poo those investors or just get frustrated with them. But I think a lot of times if you look closely, you'll find it maybe their first investment or they're just coming out or they're a different generation that, that made their money in a different market, and they're just driving a hard bargain. But I think oftentimes what's missed, what I find is strange, is that these folks go out and they have the ability to invest. They have probably some great industry knowledge, and they just inadvertently created the perfect filter for failure. So they put such terrible term sheet out, and they're really just trying to strike a good deal that the folks that take it are either not smart or so desperate that they'll take it. And you realize that investing is an art between a good balance. You want the founders motivated, but you need to earn a return. And so if you go too far one way or the other, it doesn't work, right? And and that's why I think a lot of this is more art than science, certainly some science in areas, but you want to be long-term greedy is a better way to think about it. Um, and I think the sad part of it, the strange part of it in some of these cases, it's get, certainly getting better in the Midwest, is that those investors now, because of that filter, crash and burn. And then at their cocktail party or wherever they are, they're saying, you know, this is, this is not a good space. You don't want to do this, right? And that has sort of scaling negative effects throughout the market. So wherever I can, we try and sort of address that and fix that in meaningful, thoughtful ways, not just sort of saying... Get your dirty term sheet out of here. So as service provider, if you guys get a deal that fits all the criteria, but there's a hokey term sheet, you know, what do you do? Well, so, and I should, <laughs> I should clarify. So that's in my, my role in the Midwest market, right? At Catapult and at Foley. Service provider, given that model where we follow a lead investor and it needs to be an institutional investor managing other people's money, if it hits that criteria, we're in. If they've got a wicked, evil term sheet, which generally you don't see the good investors having because of the right. reason I just talked about, right? Um, we're gonna we're doing it. We fit that model. I mean, I, I mentioned to you earlier if you're selling, you know, if you're putting dog shit on the moon, we're in. If you fit our criteria for SBC, we're you know really try to pursue an index. At this point, if you're a VC, you've heard of Carta. You've probably even accepted securities from a portfolio company on the platform. It feels like every new company is using Carta, 
and there's already 16,000 VC-backed companies on the platform. They also offer tools and services for VCs like fund administration. Carta has an army of fund accountants delivering high-quality service and dedicated teams of engineers constantly improving the functionality of their user-friendly investor platform with in-app quarterly reporting, real-time fund metrics, LP portals, and more. It's also easy to switch from an existing fund administrator or to augment your in-house team with their service. Learn more about their services at carta.com forward slash investors. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. On today's special segment, we have Jason Calacanis of This Week in Startups. Jason, can you tell us a story about one of the strangest or most unusual things you've encountered as an investor? That's a good one. Wow. Strangest or most unusual. I get some pretty strange pitches and some <laughs> – when you tell people you write checks, you do get the crazies who come out. Uh, <laughs> and I don't mean like – the crazies like Steve Jobs, like the dreamers and the crazy ones. I mean like the literal certifiable ones. So, um, yeah, I've had people write long handwritten letters about their ideas that were stolen by Google and their patents and, you know, nonsensical, crazy stuff. Um, weird. And it's very weird, uh, but generally harmless. And, you know, I, I appreciate the entrepreneurial spirit, um, but generally there's a class of people you can very quickly um, sort through, which is people who talk about doing stuff as opposed to doing stuff. In today's age, it's so easy to build a website. It's so easy to build an app. It's so easy to build even a piece of hardware. All of these things cost either hundreds or low thousands of dollars to do now. You can build an app with one person in a couple of months, you can build a website in a couple of days, a couple of weeks. You can build a piece of hardware in a couple of months. That's a prototype 3D printed for a couple thousand dollars. If you can't actually do that, then you're just an idea person. And everybody who has a pulse is an idea person. That does not get you anywhere. So if you have people who write very long emails about their life story, you know, you can pretty much understand that that person is probably not going to be successful because they're not even smart enough to understand that you should approach an angel when you have a prototype, not an idea. It shows a complete and utter lack of understanding of what angel investors and early stage investors are going through. We have to sort through, you know, tens of thousands of people a year in some cases who want to get our money and to have us back them. And we're probably placing 10 or 20 bets a year. If that's the case, you have to understand when to approach them and to approach them and write a 2000 word email or a thousand word email with no product in it. And just a bunch of random ideas and your history, it just shows that you're clueless. And so I always encourage people to very, um, specifically, um, very specifically approach the right person at the right time with the right message, understanding who they are. So if you haven't 
done a Google search for an investor and you're sending a cut and paste email, you are so clueless. You have to, if you were going to try to get you to invest, Nick, you would want to talk to two or three of your founders, read every, listen to every podcast, write notes, and then write an email. So you should spend probably five hours researching an investor before contacting them. And you should contact them when they have publicly stated or their portfolio shows they're interested. Some people want to see 10 customers. Some people want to see a, an MVP. Some people want to read a business plan. But you, it's your job as the founder to understand that. And I'm constantly flabbergasted that people will send a mail merge to 100 investors. That is so stupid. Oh, and they get the names wrong, and it's a wall of text. Founders just, asking to do the deal over email before even meeting. It's crazy. And this idea that you're promising people, letting people – like promising people that you're going to make them all this money. It's not what angel investors are looking for. We're not looking for a promise you're going to make money. We're looking for proof points. We're looking for proof points that you can build a product. So again, it's clueless. Like you're emailing a rich angel investor who owns – or a rich VC who you know owns a jet and has a house in Aspen and you're telling them you're going to make them money. They don't care. What they care about is investing in a company that's going to be massively successful – so then – and that has a great mission. So you want to focus on that mission and focus on that great product and that great performance. Put yourself in the bucket of performers. You know, There's a lot of talkers. There's a lot of – it's tourist season right now, and you probably see it. <laughs> Got a lot of tourists in this. It's just like the summer in New York or Christmas time in New York. Like at Christmas time in New York, you're a New Yorker. You're trying to get home to your kids, and there's 100,000 people trying to see a – a medium-sized Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center. God bless them. But, I mean, it's just a dead tree or a dying tree that's, you know, five stories high. You can see redwoods all day long in California. You don't need to see this dying tree with some lights on it in Rockefeller Center. Just look at the goddamn postcard. You don't have to fight traffic for three hours to get there. It's meaningless. And the, and the roller skating ring can fit eight people. So you're waiting for three hours to get a roller skating ring for 15 minutes. There's nothing unique or special about it. Do not come to Manhattan. That's what's happening here in Silicon Valley. Everybody's flooding in with cockamamie ideas and no performance. It's a performance. You know, we have we have tons of problems in our industry. Misogyny. You know, the, yeah. the diversity numbers are not great. There are challenges, just like in other industries. Hollywood and um, the finance industry had. You know, or still have in some cases these challenges. The one beautiful thing about our industry that the industry doesn't get enough credit for is that when somebody does have undeniable metrics, they will get funded, right? So there is a hack to all of this. If you send a deck with a up and to the right revenue or growth or engagement chart, yep. you are going to get funded. Now, it's unfair that some people get funded with less. I agree. But it's pretty cool that undeniable performance does get funded here. Um, and that's where the industry should get a little more credit. Where other industries, it's not like that. Well, thank God for the good ones. Because there's, <laughs> you know, there's plenty of people buzzing around this industry that are not providing any value. But it's, right. a, uh, it's a process. I think right now we're going through a process of removing you know, some of the people who aren't adding value and value will accrue to those who do provide value. So it's a, it's a painful process, but we're getting there. Well, props to you for being way out in front in the podcast medium. Um, you know, I feel like I was a little in front of it, but clearly you were uh, one of the innovators in the entire medium. Mm-hmm.
That will conclude this installment of Investor Stories. If you're enjoying the program and would like to see it continue, take a moment and leave a five-star review in iTunes. Also, if you'd like updates on new content from TFR, as well as the top 10 VC articles every week, go to fullratchet.net and sign up for the newsletter. Okay, that will wrap things up for today. Until next time, over-prepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. Thanks for joining me. Thank you.